Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Our Father, who art in heaven, as we open your Word, we petition thy Spirit who wrote these words to explain these words to us and to give us strength to follow and to share. Lay the burden of the lost upon each one of us. So truly we might be a river which never run dries from the throne of God to water every life in whom we come in contact with. In the holy and precious name of Jesus, I ask, Amen. Amen. I am going to Calvary. Won't you come along with me? All the way and back again, you must follow the leader. You must follow the leader. You must follow the leader. All the way and back again. You must follow the leader. If I wear a thorny crown, if the soldiers knock me down, can I really be a king? Love will answer everything. If you follow the leader, if you follow the leader, love will answer everything. If you follow the leader, when I go along the road, I shall lift up heavy load. I will carry a cross for you. You must learn to carry it too. When you follow the leader, when you follow the leader, you will learn to carry it too. If you follow the leader, I am going to stretch my hands, reaching out to all the lands. Can I really be a king? Love will answer everything when you follow the leader when you follow the leader love will answer everything when you follow the leader Amen. that's number 288 in your church hymnal i repeat it's number 288 in your, how many have ever sung that song? Nobody has ever sung it. How many have ever heard that song? 
You all can raise your hand. You just heard it. Some are not really honest. How many have heard it? You may sing, but I didn't hear it. You're a f prophetic fulfillment. Have ears that cannot hear. How many have ever heard that song before? Oh, now the hands are going up. It's a beautiful song with a beautiful message. And I like to use it just before I, I open the Word of God. I want you to open your Bibles to the scripture reading of today. You may put that text on the screen, if you would, please. Put that text on the screen. First John, first John 5, 1. Now, I'm not going to finish this sermon today. I promise you, I will not. No matter how long I take, I will not finish it because there's too much. Do I make sermons that are too long? Possibly. And the more I study this, the more I add to it. And so therefore, I have much more to add every time I preach this sermon. I've preached it in all the churches where I go since the first of the year. So it's, and my wife keeps telling me it's not the same sermon. It's not. I don't preach the same sermon over and over and over again. I have to do it otherwise it sounds like that. So <clears throat> she's going to hear the sermon again and she'll never recognize it except maybe one or two things because we add and delete and there's a lot and lot to say about every one of these verses. That's why I won't finish it today to be honest. I've never finished it. I've been marked in my notes where I finish it in one church where I finished it in another church and where I'll finish it today. But you'll get some of the points that we need to share from this very familiar passage. The title of your talk is He That Overcometh. And before I read here, He That Overcometh, when, when the Bible says that, and we're going to read that, I, I got to get this straight, He That Overcome, it means two things. Never forget this. This is simple. This is logical. You don't have to be a theologian to get this. When Jesus said, he that overcometh, it means two things. There will be people that overcome. Amen. That's a promise. There will be people. Now watch. Those people have a lot to do to overcome. That's you and I. And so there's hope. If he overcomes, you've got to overcome. You can be thinking right now of all the things you've got to overcome before the Lord comes, when you're going to overcome them. Victim of habit. So he that overcometh. There will be overcomers. And the overcomers overcame their besetments. All right. Now, 1 John 5. Whosoever. That's a tremendous word. Whosoever. John 3.16 says that whosoever believeth on him will not suffer the death penalty. That's what it says. Whosoever believeth on him. So all you have to do is believe. No. But many people believe that. That's one of the errors of the second church. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Only believe. There are many people 
in the world today that all they do is believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So I believe. The, under, the problem is they don't understand what believe means. They don't understand that. Whosoever, God so loved the world, that whosoever, John wrote those. John wrote this. So it's not unusual that John should use the same word, whosoever. Rich or poor, wherever, whosoever, you're a candidate. You're a candidate. You're one that this is for. Whosoever believeth, there's that powerful word. Whosoever believe on him should not bear. He uses the same phrase, whosoever believeth. Now this believeth is a heavy word in the Bible. In fact, some places they just didn't get to Canaan. The Israelites just didn't get to Canaan for one word, unbelief. The disciples, watch this one now. Watch the disciples got all confused and all disoriented because they didn't believe. They had a mindset. How many Christians, seven of the average Christians, they got a mindset. And so they had this mindset that this can't be, I doubt it, and I don't know how he could die and permit himself to do that. And when he appeared, guess what he did? Remember? He went down the road and he showed all the scriptures. Now watch. What scriptures did he show them? They didn't have the New Testament. He showed them all the Old Testament scriptures that he told them before. And suddenly, suddenly after all this, they had to break up what they thought and say, he truly is the Son of God. Amen. Their hearts burned within them. And that's why they waited. They couldn't wait to get out to do his work. Brothers and sisters, I said to this sister, I said to this man, when you get a hold of this truth, you're going to do something. Amen. What's the matter with the rest of us? We're a great people to know all the answers. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We know these scriptures and know them all. What are we doing? Without me, he can do nothing. I go to round to these churches and see what's being done this year that was not being done last year. Or can we go through the same old rituals that last year and expect any different result? Can you live your life with the same habits, the same route, and expect a better result? Well, that's not the law of the land. It's not even the law of the Bible. You've got to do something different. And so, you got to change. Without me, he can't do nothing. How many souls did you win for the Lord last year? Or the year before? Or the year before? How long does it take for you to invite somebody and study with them and pray them and bring them to the truth? And how many have you done? You know, I was in a service not very long ago in a service, and these people were standing up, bearing tremendous testimonies 
how the Lord has blessed them. The Lord has done this. The Lord has done that. And everybody's saying amen. Now, I didn't do this. Don't get me wrong. I didn't do this. But I wanted to get up and say, the Lord has blessed you. What have you done for him? What have you done with your time, your talents, your skills? Your now, what have you done for You're telling about how great God is. What have you done for the Lord? No wonder that text says in the Bible, Lord, we've done this. We've done that. Beating on the door. And what does he say? I never knew you. Never knew you. He might have gone all through these ceremonies, these rituals. I never knew you. Let me tell you something. Let it never be said in the judgment day of any one of us. I never knew you. Amen. It's one thing for you to know God. It's another thing for God to know you. Amen. You talked about prayer today in that Sabbath school lesson. Well, Mrs. White talks uh, about unconverted prayer. Prayers of hypocrisy. Prayers of hypocrisy. I read that in the outside reading. Hypocritical prayers. Wonderful, oriented. What's happening? <coughs> prayers. Whosoever believes. When you believe on something, you tell. You can't keep it. Especially when, save my soul. I've been delivered. I preach in a church where there are two drug addicts. They met one another, a man and a woman. They've been delivered. They're so thankful they've been delivered. What's it got to do for you to praise the Lord from being delivered? I'm going to tell you what it is. Those people recognized wrong. They recognized sin. You and I don't. We're pretty good. We don't realize how sinful we are. And they recognized Amen. that they needed something else. Amen. Whosoever believeth that Jesus, the Christ, now watch this phraseology so you get it straight, is born of God. Whosoever believeth that Jesus, the Christ, that person is born of God. Amen. We're going to verify that in this passage. He's going to say it once again. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, so I just ask a simple question. Are you born of God? Hmm. What are the characteristics of a person that's born of God? Our Father. We ask in the name of Jesus, born of Him. I act like my mother. I act like my father. Inherited and cultivated tendencies. When you are born of God, you're like him. You become partakers of the divine nature. His divinity is passed on to you. He was human and divine. And we must be human and divine. Walk with me, I and you. He that walks by the flesh does the flesh. He that walks by the Spirit. His Spirit is. We act like him. He is born of God. Now John follows a certain sequence that is so necessary 
And the natural result of being born of God. If you ask somebody what is God, you'll get 25, 30, 40 reasons. One reason's going to come up. God is love. He that knoweth not God doesn't know love, for God is love. And so John says that is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begot, loveth him also, that is begotten of him. Now, for some of you, that's a confusing phrase. Let it read just like it is. Look what it says. Everyone that loveth him, that loveth God, that begot loveth him. The one that God begot. You love him. You love him. And because of that love, what happens? Also, that he's begotten of him. You love those others that are begotten of him. He's just repeating this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and body, and what else? Neighbor as yourself. It's all John is saying. The second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And John is saying when you're born of God, you love him. And that love spills out over into others. Amen. You love people. You love them because you want them to know God who is able to save. Love is a drawing characteristic. It draws people. Married or unmarried, all you have to have is red blood in your veins. You love certain things. And you love certain people. Christian love, married or unmarried, it's a drawing power. That's what John is belaboring here. He's saying when you're born of God, you love like him. Because why were you born of You love him. Now over in John 3, when he talks about that love, he says, you can't enter in the kingdom unless you have all this love. You can't even see the kingdom. You don't recognize it. But those that enter can see the love and they'll share that love, and they'll emanate that love. You can put verse 2 onto the screen, please. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God. If you really say that you love who he has begotten, by this is the indicator you can say a lot of things, but your life will tell the story. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God, what is the natural result? What does it say? Keep his commandments. That's what it says. Would you want to go to heaven today or go to the other place today on the way you love God? We put God on the back burner. That's the problem. You know, on a stove, there's four burners. 
you have this one up in front, you know, and this is the important one, you really do. When the ones that's just about done or so on, you just put it in the back burner. Something is secondary. When you love God, he's primary. I want to make two statements. Never forget these. You're not going to find them in the Bible. You're not going to find them in the Spirit. You'll find it almost. God never kept you from prayer meeting. God never kept you from prayer meeting. I don't care what your excuse is or what. God never kept you from prayer meeting. God never kept you from Sabbath school. People that love God, you can't keep them away. This is where I meet God. When you get up in the morning, I don't care where you are, what you're doing, the first thing you do is you talk to God. You study His Word. And for those that really love Him a lot, they usually get up a little earlier. They can't miss that time. They may miss 40 other things, but you can't miss that time. Because love. God is first in sharing and in developing their fellowship and communion. They keep his commandments. Not because, uh uh-oh, I love God. I have to keep his commandments. I have to do this because I'm born of God. No, 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 no. They do it because they want to. They can see the love of God in the commandments. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Isn't that wonderful? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Nobody has to tell you. Can you think what your life would be? What would any person in this room right here be if they were to follow the first commandment? And the first phrase, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And anything that keeps you from having that devotion or being here, that's a God. You have put that one on the front burner and put God on the back burner. In some cases, God is like the fire department. We don't call him when we need him. It's true. Some others say he's like the drugstore. We need him now and let's go. That's not the God I serve. That's not the God that's going to save you. The God that saves you is the one that he has volunteers that can't wait to get into his kingdom. They're volunteering here. Nobody's got to plead and pass out literature, go and pray. Nobody. You know what? The love of God can't keep them still. We love God. And the result is this keeping his commandments. Say, by the way, just as another thought, would you want eternal life based on how you keep the Sabbath day? That's only one of the commandments. Just the Sabbath day. Would you want your salvation? Would you want to be judged today? Your case, probation closed for you today on the way you keep the Sabbath. Something to think about. What were you doing yesterday, an hour before sundown? What happened at sundown? What are you doing today after lunch, you know? Rip this off. Get on my regular clothes. What do you do? Would you want your salvation determined, your eternal life, just on the way you keep one of those commandments? 
something to think about. How do we keep those commandments? You can put verse 3 on that screen now. Verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Second time John spends it. Now he says this all during Revelation. In the last part of this sermon, which you're not going to hear today, we dwell just on all of this in Revelation. It's fantastic. It's dynamic. We'll never get there today. I'm only saying it's the same John that says two times here. He says it in his book. He says it in Revelation. We keep his commandments. And just for a few people, there's always students in every class who say, oh, Mr. Rhodes, so hard to keep the commandments. So difficult. So that's what the devil said. You know, you can say that enough times, you actually believe it. Anybody ever try to keep all the commandments? Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not build any images. Some are still building those. Make any graven image. Take the name of the Lord in vain. You're a Christian. Take the name of, have you denied the Lord? You didn't want to speak up in your work. You were afraid to say something because look at the news. You speak up against the gays, you're apt to be fired. So you can't speak the truth. Is the day coming when the Bible is so unpopular it'll put you in jail? Brothers and sisters, that's the time to let your light so shine that they may see your good works. Afraid to stand up for the Bible. And these men on these news things that stood up and said it, they stand on the Bible, they are beaten down badly. But others come to their rescue. And who cares whether they're beaten or rescued in matters in heaven? Can you stand up? And these commandments, these commandments, they are not grievous. They're not a burden. You may think so. You may think they're a burden, but Jesus says, my burden is light. Amen. When you are born of God, it's a joy. It's a joy to be on time. It's a joy to do his will. Amen. It's a joy to share. You cannot keep quiet, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For, now watch, here's the other thing about born of God. Now, get this straight. This is the second time now. If anybody's confused on this born of God, watch this text here. Whosoever. Here it is. Whosoever. That's John. For whosoever is born of God. Whosoever really is born of God. Overcometh the world. I'd like to shout that. If you're born of God, you overcometh the world. Amen. Have you overcome the world? Have you overcome the world? And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now I'm going to digress here a little bit and talk about the world. The reason I'm going to talk about the world is to, so you understand that term. It says overcome the world. 
You and I are living in the world. How are you going to overcome the world? I say to the congregations and people from time to time, you, you do this. Think of anything for the next 15 seconds. Think of anything for the next 15 seconds that's not of this world. Take your mind someplace, any place but on this world. Don't think about anything in this world or about the world. Where's your mind going? Where should your mind be? Let this mind be in you, which was Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. We dwell. Well, this is where we live. That's true. But notice that prayer, you know. We pray for them. Not to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe in the world. We can control our minds. Oh, boy. That's discipline. Discipleship and discipline come from the same root. Can you believe that? Disciples and discipline. If you want to conquer something, you got to have discipline. Well, the Bible is self-control. God will do everything. Jesus will do everything. He can't force you to make your decisions. To be disciplined. He was born of God overcometh the world. Now just turn in your Bible to 1 John 2. 1 John 2, same book. And let's just let's just look at verse 15. Just so this is an understanding of the world. Now watch. Love not the world. Okay? Don't love the world. It's polluted. It's confused. It is opposed. It is diametrically opposed to the Creator. Jesus said when He comes, He's going to destroy this earth and those that help destroy it. It's pretty strong language. Love not the world. How can you love not the world? You're here. You think Daniel loved where he was living? You think Joseph loved where he was living? You think Enoch loved where he was Read about Enoch. He was in a polluted world. So many others. Enoch, Daniel, Joe, I talk about very few wrongs. They were in polluted situations. Love, not the world. Now, if you're in a little bit in doubt what that means, this is the explanation. Neither the things that are in the world. Don't set your affection on these things in the world. It has a way of destroying your spirituality. It has a way of focusing your energies on that which is not eternal. It has a way of consuming your time. It has a way of burdening you with the cares of life. I have to do this. I have to do that. I've got to make this. I cannot be. I've got to make this. I got to. It pays the bills. And so Wednesday night, oh boy, wherever, all of a sudden God isn't on the back burn. He's off the stove. Love not the things of the world. It wasn't very long ago when I went to a church. It's last year. And this is an announcement in the bulletin. 
I about fell off the platform. Tomorrow afternoon, those of you who are interested will meet a brother and sister so-and-so for this and so, bring a little and we're going to watch the Super Bowl. Well, you smile. Anything wrong with watching the Super Bowl? I would like to see an announcement and come on over tomorrow afternoon. We're going to study the Bible Sunday afternoon for three hours and then go out and pass out a little. Nobody would ever do that. Neither the things in the world. How are you going to account to the Lord Jesus Christ who said, I gave you all of this time. What have you got to show for it? Well, I was watching this. I was tied up with this. I was tied. What is it going to be? In a, what kind of excuses are the Lord going to, oh yeah, we'll pass that one by. You know, the Bible says, thou shalt love the Lord, the God with all the mind, with all thy soul, with all thy heart, and with all thy, Luke adds this, with all thy strength. It is God that gives you the strength. Thank him for it. Use it to his glory. Oh, the Lord has blessed me so much. Oh, the Lord has done. What are you using it for? The talents. Read. Study. Share. Don't love the things in the world. I can't wait to see. I always go to the auto shows. I can't wait to go to the auto show. I can't wait to go to the boat show. I can't wait to go to the motorcycle show. I love to see all these things. It's just exciting. Yeah, it's really good. Any one of those going to carry you into eternal life? No. I got to see the fashions. I got to watch this. I got to see who's winning this. I got to see who's winning that. What's that got to do with eternal life? Talk about a lukewarm church. I've gone to some of these churches for 10 years. Guess what? Same amount of people. Yeah, many, some a little less even. Faces come, faces go. You know, I was in a church, one of the larger ones in Miami, a few years back. I went to the prayer meeting. I thought, I'm going to see this prayer meeting. I was astounded. In that prayer meeting, the, um, somebody asked, you know, in, in, in the prayer meeting, that they pray for others sometimes. They ask us any prayers, you know, they, they pray for others. And so the people were talking about praying for others, and this is with their comments. Well, we haven't seen Brother So-and-so for a long time. Does anybody know where he is? There's a, no, no, okay. And sister So-and-so, and what about this person? Well, they went through a whole line of people. I sat there. I'm not a member of that church. I just went to that church once in a while, you know, do a few things, and they were rehearsing all that. So it got to a place where I couldn't sit there anymore, you know. It agitated me. They didn't realize. So I got up and said to them, um, interesting. I'm highly impressed. Mm -hmm. I'm highly impressed with their necessity and need to pray for these people that used to come here that are not here. And I made a simple statement. Has anybody ever visited any one of these people to find out what happened to them? Ever sought them out? Nobody said a word. You know, you pray one thing and do another thing. You'd be well if you just lived your prayers. If you just lived your prayers. I said, this church is a large church. They got many ministries. More ministries than, oh, endless ministries. I wonder if there's a ministry here that does this, that goes and visits people that have not come to church anymore or are missing. Is anybody going out to seek and save the walls that used to be here? You can profit by that. When you see somebody that's irregular, what are you doing to keep them into the fold? Well, I'll tell you what Jesus did. 
The rest of you are there, it's fine. One, one. 99 are here, one. What did he do? He left the 99. He went to soul one. You don't know. You have never idea how know how somebody's waiting for you to invite them. Come back. Oh, they go to another church. Oh, they're going to another, to find a nanny. Why'd they leave here? We want you here. You're a missing member. Who visits missing members? Who's even worried? Well, they make their own decisions. You see, when I say, love not the world, the things of the world, how easy it is to get off and make it practical and discover, you know what? I'm like that. I like to pray for people. Don't ask me to go visit them. Who will go and seek anybody to see if they're sick, afflicted, maybe poverty struck, maybe there was a separation in the home, maybe they're just so discouraged they hate to face their fellow church members. We have a mission here. What did Jesus do? We're great to give the answers. We're really lacking in doing his mission work. I said to the elder here, it says go teach and preach. I said to him, who's that for? Is that for the disciples? Is that for the apostles? Or who's that for? They had a discussion, disciples, apostles. I was amazed what was said. So you go over there, who's that? Brothers and sisters, if you think it's anybody else but yourself, you're reading that wrong. That's for you and I. We're to be like him. He's to be in us. Let us go and seek and save the lost. I came not to call the righteous. I came to do what? To call the lost. So if you're saved, hmm, that's another topic, saved. So if you have the truth or saved and you rejoice in it, you are a debtor to all mankind. And Paul said that. I'm a debtor. I want other people. I mean, I have something to give. I owe something to them. They don't know. I owe something to them. And the storybooks are filled. I could mention the names of people who've gone to Africa in India and sacrificed their whole life. Albert Schweitzer. Why? I have the love of God. I want them to know. They went to Thailand. They went to the Philippines. I'm just giving because he has done so much for me. It amazes me. You know, our church runs Maranatha trips, goes over places, Costa Rica and the Panama and church building and does and does outreaches. That's all marvelous. And I, I'm 100% by it. But this is what amazes me. There are people in every church that want to go. So they go. They go down there and they come back with pictures and tell about their two-week excursion. They did this and that. Those people wouldn't go to their next-door neighbor and tell them about the Lord. They'll go all over every place and never go to their next-door neighbor and tell them about, the Lord is coming. Are you ready? Jesus, that's what I wanted to sing that song, the Lord is coming. We've heard it so long. The same old story doesn't do anything to us anymore. We've heard the soul on repent. Doesn't do it to us anything. I'm comfortable the way I am. That's our problem. You're too comfortable. 
That's why I'm here to agitate you. If I don't agitate, I'm not doing my job. I'm here to agitate everyone to determine here. You can't live the old life and expect anything to happen. This church isn't going to expand at all, any church, with the same practices of last year. It's going to be the same. Are you proud of that? And you so satisfied the way you're living that I'm ready. Can't say that. Paul said, let him that thinketh he stand. What? Be careful. He fall. Love not the things in the world. Get rid of them. My wife keeps telling me all the time. She does. We have to downsize. We've got to get rid of all the stuff. We don't want anything in here. One day we're going to walk away from that house, period. Bought or not. The time of trouble comes, you know what? All that stuff in that house that I think is so great is going to mean nothing. And we're attached to worldly things. I used to say to her years ago, if this house caught on fire, what would be the first thing you'd run out with? And she'd say sometimes, my wedding pictures. <laughs> we laugh and smile about that. I don't think she'd say that today. <laughs> no. Well, we've been married too long, so that doesn't mean anything. But the point, that's uh, just a joke. The point is, we're on to earthly things. They're treasures. And each one of us has a treasure, has a vice, has something, some kind of a God that's keeping you from having the full indwelling of the Spirit. Love not the world, neither the things. If any man, watch, John gets so, if anybody gets up and preaches, is that, that, that people get angry. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's what it says. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is you love the world, fine and dandy. God's love it isn't in you. Because when you're born of God, you don't love the world. I didn't hear one amen, and that's perfectly all right. You were so shocked at what I said, I can't believe what. Because look at the worldly thing. You know, love not the world. Now watch. I don't even like to get all close. I won't say that. I don't want to hear an amen too quick. But the point is this. Look at this next thing. This is found two or three times in the Bible. All sin is under these three things. For all that is in the world. There it is. Not my word. All that. That's verse 16. Are you on verse 16 yet? I'm sorry. 16. For all that is in the world. Here it is. Three things. The lust of the flesh. Now, how are you going to interpret that? The lust of the flesh. Well, let's get lust first. Lust is, lust, I don't need to explain it, but I think there'll be a few people that don't understand it entirely. I find that sometimes I speak and people don't understand because of a different, wasn't their mother tongue, or I may use terms that's not clear. So I think I'll describe lust. Lust? Well, lust is something you desire something you want, something you work for, something that hangs around in here. Hmm. Lust. Who is free from lust? The book of Galatians says you crucify the flesh and the lust. That's got to go. 
That's not going to heaven. The Bible says unequivocally, blessed are the pure, where? Pure in heart, for what? They're gonna, they're gonna what? Yeah, don't say it too loud. The pure in heart will see God. The impure aren't gonna see God. That's what that text is saying. Blessed, happy are the pure in heart. The lust of the flesh. You can interpret this two ways, things you eat. You know, the Lord gave the Israelites what they lusted for. They came, those ravens, and they died. The Lord answered their prayer. I've always told people, especially students, be careful what you pray for. The Lord may answer that prayer. Be careful. Lust of the flesh. The lust of the opposite sex. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We must control. Bring into captivity every thought. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not him for the world. For all that is in the world is the left of the flesh. Get rid of it. Pray. Crucify it. Let it die. Don't feed it. Have you ever noticed certain news stories that has to do with celebrities or who's ever, and you like to know the details? There's still that lust in people's hearts. Ignore it. Don't become familiar with it. The lust of the eyes. I said this morning, if your eye offend you, plug it out. Some of us need blinders. We see something, and that's what you desire. You see something, and it triggers things here. And John is saying, love not the world. Just go on and want to, you've got to crucify the flesh. You've got to crucify your eyes. But if you cut it off, because your eyes help you to fall into sin. Amen. You know, one story in the Bible, Samson. I don't need to rehearse this story, but there's one thing that Samson did that caused a downfall. All of these, David, I don't care. The eyes had a lot to do with it. I'm only referring to Samson. He was told he's a Nazarite. He was trained in a certain way. He was to do this, he was to do that. He did. He did. But when it came to the lusting, he says, I want to go over the hill just to take a look. And when he took a look, what happened? That triggered the whole thing. He took a look. So I used to tell the classes, you're not to look at any everything. No. Cause your downfall. Who knows what you look at? You look at a movie. You're not even supposed to look at those. You look at something. You can't forget it. Look at things. It triggers things. One step leads to another. Lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's a lust too. Pride. Look at my house. Look where I live. Look what I have. Look what I'm pride. You know, Mrs. White says, you know, she saw pride, you know, selfishness, and most other sins were under that. Pride, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not have any other gods. It's pride. What caused the downfall of the first man in heaven? It's pride. And he knows that's still getting us today. Pride, lest of the Father. Now watch, 17. Get up verse 17. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God 
shall abide forever. Amen. He that all these lusts that we've talked about, not going to get us to heaven. Everyone must pray secretly, fervently, earnestly, repeatedly, perseveringly, in the secret place of the Most High, in the closet, for victory. He that overcometh. He that overcometh. And when I'm going to read all of those in Revelation, there's a great promise for he that overcometh. Amen. Brothers and sisters, each one of us need to overcome. In the spirit of prophecy, I have all these quotes. I have all these pages. I'm going to read one or two because I only have two minutes more, three. I'm going to read one. Well, I'm going to tell you why I have so much. I read the morning watch. And this one's for Thursday. Now, I've preached this sermon three times. I'm still getting materials. I read this Thursday morning. We are to overcome as Christ overcame. When I saw that, I couldn't read. Satan made stronger attacks upon Christ than he will ever make upon you. There is much at stake with him, whether Christ or himself should be the conqueror. If Christ resisted the most powerful temptations and Satan did not succeed in leading him to sin, he knew that he must lose his power and finally be punished with everlasting destruction. Therefore, Satan worked mightily power to lead Christ to a wrong action, for then he would gain advantage of him. You can never be tempted in so determined and cool manner as was our Savior. Satan was on his path here on earth. Will man take hold of the divine power? Listen, beloved. Will man take hold of the divine power? And with determination, that's dis discipline. Nothing's going to cause me to deter. With determination and perseverance, resist Satan. What does the Bible say? Resist the devil and what? Claim that promise. Will man take hold of divine power and with determination and perseverance resist Satan? As Christ has given him an example in his conflict with the foe in the wilderness of temptation, God cannot save man against his will. God cannot save you against your will from the power of Satan's artifices. Man must work with his human power. I'm repeating, man has a part to do. Man must work with his human power aided by divine power of Christ. Amen. That's when we become the divine partakers of the divine nature. And to resist and to conquer at any cost to him, sure, to himself. Now watch. She doesn't use this phrase very often. She says this. In short, she doesn't use that very ill frequently in her writing. In short, man must overcome 
as Christ overcame. And I'm going to read a text the next time. You can overcome as I overcome. And the minute somebody reads that text, they're always, oh, 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 Jesus, did he sin? Did, 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 he, did he do? Because it says, as I over. What did Jesus have to overcome? Every day he had to overcome the temptations and the devices of the devil. Every day he had to build a barrier. That's why he prayed so much. That's why he witnessed so much. In short, man must overcome as Christ overcome. And then through the victory that it is his privilege to gain by an all-powerful name of Jesus. That's our part. We can gain the same victory by his name. And you may become an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. This could not be the case if Christ alone did all the overcoming. I want to read that again. This could not be the case of Christ if he did all the overcoming. Man must do his part. He must be a victor on his own ground through the strength and grace that Christ gives him. Man must be a co-worker. You know that text. We are co-laborers with God in our, not only in our victories, in our resistance. Man must be a co-worker with Christ in labor, in overcoming and then he will be a partaker of Christ in his glory. Amen. In the last little sentence, the Savior overcame to show man how he may overcome. And that's why I titled this out of Revelation. Actually, I really got this out of Revelation. This John is a sidestep that I added. After I did the Revelation, I added this other because we overcome. Jesus had to overcome. The Savior overcame to show man how he may overcome all the temptations of Satan. Christ met with the word of God. It is written, Thus saith the Lord, The love of Christ constraineth me. I can do all things through Christ. Jesus is my Savior. By trusting God's promises, he received power to obey his commandments and the tempter could gain no advantage by trusting. I want to read one text. Now, this is not in my notes. There's a whole lot of things not in my notes. But what triggers this text that I'm stopping with is this power. I gave a week of prayer one time years ago on this little passage, a whole week of prayer. It says this in John 1, in John 1, verse 12. This is a tremendous verse. We're not discussing it, but look what it says. But as many as received him, as many as received him, to them, now watch this phraseology, to them gave he power. Power. He's given you power to become sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Brothers and sisters, let us not leave this church defeated. Let us leave this church conquerors. Amen. Let us leave this church victorious. We shall overcome. And we're so happy with this that we're going to tell others. Now, I've chosen this song 
faith is the victory, because in John it says, this is the victory that overcometh our faith, even our faith. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.